What's up, what's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 33 of The Overview. I'm Chan Man V, and we got a super special show ready for you guys today. Got my co-hosts, of course, Fish Sticks and Jason Kaplan are both here. What's up, fellas? Dude, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm completely sleep-deprived right now because anxiety <laughs> for this election kept me up all night. I actually couldn't fall asleep. You literally uh, watching still, CNN. Maybe still recovering from BlizzCon, too, but uh, excited for this show because got a lot to cover. Yeah. And how about you, Jason? How you doing, man? It's tired as well, but doing good. Glad to be back in, uh, glad to be back in California, actually, still. All right, good stuff. And, of course, we've got our special guest, Blizzard Global Esports Director, Mr. Nate Nanzer. Welcome to the show, man. It's an honor to have you, man. What's up, guys? It's an honor to be here. Oh, I've, uh, wow. I've listened to, I think, no, I've listened to every single episode. Of really? The even the last yeah. one? Oh, my God, the last even, one. Even, oh, and one. even though, like, for some reason, it's not on iTunes anymore. It is what on iTunes. Up, what are you talking about? Is it? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, oh, wow. I, I, wow. I gotta, maybe, maybe I messed up my phone. But, <laughs> uh, no, I, I, love, I love what you guys do. It's uh, super awesome to be here. Awesome. That's great, man. It's cool that you do listen to it every week. Um, but uh, obviously huge news right now in, in Overwatch and a lot of things announced at BlizzCon. So uh, it's awesome having you here to, to get a chance to maybe answer some questions. Uh, so we'll, we're going to be doing just what we normally do, guys, on the show. Um, but definitely we'll be focused on more of like an interview with Nate here, given that we don't, don't have him for the entire show. So I'm uh, going to start off with some questions, Nate. You ready? Let's do it. All right. Here's a, we'll start off with uh, maybe getting to know you a little bit better because I think a lot of the listeners might not know exactly who you are. So how did you land this awesome job of being global esports director? Uh, super good question. So I, I've been at Blizzard. I just got my two-year Stein on Halloween, actually. It's my two-year oh, anniversary. Nice. So yeah. um, I actually, was, when I started Blizzard, I was on the marketing team. And about uh, a year and a half ago, it was actually Gamescom 2015, um, I had started, I was, uh, doing some work on the marketing side around esports, and we had this really cool game overwatch coming out. And, uh, I had this idea. I'm a huge, uh, traditional sports fan. I played baseball all my life and huge basketball fan, huge mm-hmm. soccer fan. And I was like, why, how come esports is always sort of, uh, tries to reinvent the wheel when it comes to, yep. to sports? Like, why don't we look at like what works in traditional sports and maybe see if some of that stuff can't be applied. So I started putting together this idea that I had that sort of turned into the overwatch league. And because blizzard is a really cool place where, um, uh, you have the opportunity, even though you're, you know, sort of have your your day job. It's very entrepreneurial here, mm-hmm. and I sort of uh, created uh, this 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 plan around Overwatch League, and just kept beating people over the head with it until they listened to me, and uh, eventually <laughs> got a bunch of people excited about it, and it turned into a job. Um, so it's it's maybe it's maybe not the most uh, uh, replicable path for others to take, um, but I think it it goes to show like what a awesome place to work Blizzard is. The fact that mm-hmm. um, you know there's there's room for for people to kind of uh, go outside what your day job is, you know, come up with a really cool plan, and because of the the core value here of every voice matters, um, you know, I got you know people like Jeff Kaplan and Regresco to to listen to to my plan, and it kind of evolve from there but now it's super exciting because i get to wake up every morning and uh build a sports league from scratch how yeah. many people get to say that so yeah speaking of that plan uh the biggest announcement i think if a lot of people would agree at blizzcon was the announcement of the overwatch league and 
sounds like a super, I mean, one of the probably most ambitious uh, initiatives in the space, at least currently, you know, in this era of esports. Um, so the announcement hinted at a lot of cool elements that were very similar to traditional esports like NFL, things like free agency, combines, player salaries, franchises. Mm-hmm. Um, what made you, or what what made you go in this direction with esports? You know, you mentioned that you did want you see you did see some parallels maybe with with sports mm-hmm. that we you'd like to you know implement into esports. Like why why go that direction? Well, it, it came from you know I've I've uh, I've only been at Blizzard two years, but I've been working in the games industry since about two thousand and one, mm-hmm. and been a huge fan of esports for a really long time, uh, and sort of one of the things I've, I've observed over the years that I think is really cool is how organic esports has come together and how that audience like esports pretty much exists because like people wanted to figure out who was the best at quake. So they got together and figured out who was the best at quake. Like that's really cool. Um, but sort of because it's grown sort so organically, it's been very fragmented. Uh, and I think as we sat down and started thinking around what do we want to do with the overwatch league, at the highest level, we really wanted to try to professionalize esports. Um, I think uh, if you look across the ecosystem, the 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 player that I care most about is is actually the players. Like, and I think um, universally that players could be treated better. I, I look at some of these contracts I've seen from <laughs> from esports pros, and you know they say things like, uh, you know, so and so player agrees to sign over his likeness in perpetuity for all the universe. Like that that's crazy, and <laughs> I think, um, you know, we we want to get rid of that stuff from the esports ecosystem and really try to make players uh, give them a real career. And have it be less risky. Like right now, I feel like there's there's kids who are they're really gambling their future on becoming an esport pro, and it might not work out, and there's not really a clear path. Whereas in traditional sports, um, there is a very clear path. Like it's really really hard, but if you're a seven year old kid in the United States, you actually know the things you need to do to be an NBA basketball player, right? Mm-hmm. Like get really good, play in an AAU team, go to high school you know, get signed to a D one college and get drafted. Like you actually like very clearly know the things that there's a very clear path to doing that. And on esports, I would, I would go around in the last, last year and a half and talk to, to these guys that are, that are esport athletes and say, how do you, how would you get on your team? And it's like, well, I was really good on ladder and somebody found me and they luckily mm-hmm. knew my Skype or, you know, <laughs> I posted in Reddit and I ended up getting paired with people. And it's like, that, that's, that's crazy. Like we should, there should be a, a more uh, structured way for people who are super good at video games to get noticed and get signed to, to professional teams. And then once they're there to be treated like professional athletes, like I, uh, as somebody who, who played baseball my whole life, I, when I talk to, to esport athletes, like they, they play for the same reasons that I played traditional sports. Like they have the same fire, the fit, same drive. Uh, they want the same things. And I think we, we want to create an ecosystem where, um, the best players in the world are celebrated the way they deserve to be celebrated. And if you want players to make more money and you want players to be more celebrated and you want players to have more stability, the best way that you can do that is to make sure that the teams have stability and the teams make more money because team owners are never going to pay players the way they deserve to be played if they can't make any money and if they're living paycheck to paycheck on sponsorships. So that that is a, a super long answer, but yeah. that sort of goes into a little bit of the thinking behind this and and it's really about making sure that we 
create consistency and stability for teams and players and that we create accessibility uh, for up and coming players. So they actually know the things that they need to do to be a pro. Yeah. It's, I think that the most important thing is to have the exact plan of what, as to how to get there. And I'm really excited about the combines. I can't wait to see what drills and, and all, you know, what, what you're, how you're going to measure the players and, you know, I guess what a lot of teams are going to be wanting to look at it, things like that. Yeah. Well, because it, it's not just about skill, right? I mean, yeah. Overwatch is a team game. So right. you actually need to know, like, is this guy a jerk? Like, is he actually, is he going to be easy to get along with? Yep. Do, do, that might be the most important thing. Actually. You know? Yeah, exactly. Like, does he communicate well? Like, all right. that stuff is really important. So I think when, as we think about the way that we'll test players in the combine, it's not just about, like, who who is the best, you know, hit scan aimer. I think it's going to be more about, like, who is the sort of complete person. Well, just uh, just following up on that really quickly, you mentioned bringing more revenue to the teams and that trickling down to the players and the whole ecosystem. Any uh, any initial thoughts as how that's going to be more possible with this league than I guess traditional esports models? Yeah, so we sat down when when this started, when this plan started. The way we actually started by started the whole strategy around the overwatch league was to actually go do like a complete audit of of traditional sports so what's the financial model in the nba the nfl mls uh european football um even the ufc and the wwe um f1 we looked at we looked at all across the the world of traditional sports entertainment and tried to understand what are the different way what are the different financial models like how do teams make money how do players make money and it became really really clear when we started to look into that that in all of the North American sports leagues, and, and this is true in Europe as well, that the global level sponsorships across the league account for a fraction of the total sponsorship money in the ecosystem. And the reason that we're going down the path of city-based teams is, is not just because for the very good reasons of fostering fandom. I think you even saw like uh, the Reddit reaction to the Overwatch League announcement, mm-hmm. I thought was very telling. And that um, the competitive Overwatch subreddit had some questions, we'll <laughs> say. Uh, the main subreddit, which honestly doesn't usually engage with esport content very much uh, to this date, um, seemed super engaged. And they were like, wow, this is really cool. Like, I haven't really followed esport before because I don't really know anything about the teams and players. But man, if there was a, a team in my hometown like that, actually could be really cool. And I could see myself going to the arena. And for us, I mean, that really, I think, kind of validated the the strategy in some ways is we, we do want to make this more inclusive. And we do want to make sure that we're respecting uh the the teams and the way that esports has grown to this point but we want to try to bring more people into the fold and we think the city-based teams is a way to do that but what city-based teams also allows us to do is we envision a future and i I don't think this is actually that far away um i'm sure you know a lot of these 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 guys in esports say that own teams that are there's a lot of investment money coming in a lot of the investors that are coming into esports are coming into it because they see uh, uh, really attractive opportunities to bring people into arenas that they own. Um, uh, you know, I think that's why a lot of the NBA teams you see mm-hmm. them investing in esports because they have access to arenas that sit empty sixty percent of the year. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, uh, well, it's just it's it's empty because there you know there's only eighty two games or actually yeah. only only forty one games in your arena. So mm-hmm. uh, I think you'll start to see. Um, throughout the world, the uh, the building of more esport facilities. So you already have like we have 
the, the most basic example is like kind of what we have like in uh, Santa Ana, the esports arena, right? Mm-hmm. Where yeah. there was a tournament a few months ago. But I think you'll start to see that evolve and there will be different levels of that. And I think what we hope by having these local teams is we get to a world in a few years where uh, every team has home games. And fan, it gives fans more of an opportunity to engage with esports. Like right now, the only way you ever get to watch esports live is if you live in like Los Angeles, Seoul, Shanghai, or Berlin. Like that's the only place where there's ever a regular esports competition. Mm-hmm. And there's millions of kids around the world who would love to go and go to an esport event and buy a jersey and and sit down and engage with fans and and go to a fan meet and greet and watch the tournament. Um, but they just don't get the opportunity because it's really expensive to travel to those cities. So we think eventually we'll get to the point where we'll have teams actually playing matches like home games in those cities with home fans. And what that's going to do is unlock significant amount of potential revenue for teams in terms of local sponsorships, in terms of uh, merchandising uh, tickets, concession, all of the ways that if you look, I mean, you can go uh, Manchester United is a public company. Like you can actually go download their entire income statement. You can see like how much of the, of the revenue they make from in venue things. And we, we think that down the road, that's, uh, going to be a huge step forward for esport to localize it in that way. So that fans have an opportunity to engage with it, engage with the players, build that stronger bond, and then also unlock, uh, additional revenue for teams. So when you kind of roll it back a little bit, you're talking about the whole home game idea and, you know, fans being able to come out and watch. Does that kind of mean in the future you're looking at having, you know, cities play against each other in a home city or like to play an away game if you're the team traveling and actually have them physically play in the arena? That's the hope. Um, it, again, this isn't like a 2017 or 2018 thing. This right. is farther down the road. Um, but we thought it was important to start like if we wanted to do the city idea, I thought it was important to start it from the beginning and lay the groundwork and then work towards what we, what we think is going to be the future anyway. Um, and, and start that way from the beginning. And then how, how do you kind of choose the cities then who get a team to represent them? So I don't think we're like, we don't have like a list of, there's not like a PowerPoint slide somewhere that says these will be the 25 cities. Um, I think we're, you know, we had uh we had about 125 uh, owners of owners and representatives of traditional sports and esport teams out of BlizzCon this weekend. Um, we hosted a, a meeting on Friday with them. Um, they saw the announcement, and then we had a, a, a private meeting where we talked through the plans. And I, I, I thought it was important to let everybody know that because I've heard a lot of stuff on mm-hmm. on Reddit on Discord about how we're you know we're not we're ignoring the existing teams and we're going to destroy all the existing teams. Uh, this is completely the contrary. In fact, like every yes. single person who owns an esport, an Overwatch esport team today, almost every single one of them was at BlizzCon, um, and most of them came up to me and said what an awesome time they had and thank you so much for involving them. So I think we, we absolutely are uh, trying to include everyone and the way that we're going to go about uh, assigning teams and and the cities is through a team sales process that we just kicked off over the weekend. We don't have a ton of details to share on exactly how that's going to, how that's going to break down. Um, but, but I can assure you that everybody, uh, involved in the, in the ecosystem today, and a lot of people who are interested in being involved in the ecosystem, are going to be included in that process. And the teams that we end up with in the first year will be a result of, of that. All right. So, well, you 
kind of segued nicely into my next question. Uh, we saw a ton of really high-profile esports team owners, mainstream sports owners, even some tech uh, businessmen were there mm-hmm. of very notable stature. Um, <laughs> and we've seen this as a recent trend, actually. We've seen a lot of mainstream sports money flowing into the esports mm-hmm. industry, venture capital money flowing into the esports industry, in cases like NRG, Team Liquid most recently, Dignitas. Uh, and it's really exciting as an esports fan, but... Do you see any potential pitfalls, perhaps pushing out the existing teams that don't get this kind of funding mm-hmm. or in overinflating the market? So th- there's a ton of pitfalls with this overinflating them. I, one of the things that keeps me up at night is is uh, people being too aggressive around the space. And and I, I you know there's some people that say that there's an esports bubble. I don't think we're <laughs> we're anywhere near near a bubble. But there there's a ton of money coming into the space, and I think. To me, the biggest pitfall is, is none of these people who run traditional sports teams have any idea how to run an esports team. They have no idea how to scout esports players, uh, and I think that's why what you see currently in the market, where you have the Sixers and you have uh, uh, the minority owners of the Warriors, and you have some of these people coming in and and pairing up with existing esports teams, makes a lot of sense because they recognize that they have a lot that they can bring to the table that. You know, for in the case of the 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 Team Liquid deal, they have a lot that they can bring to the table that Team Liquid doesn't have. But they also recognize that Team Liquid has a lot that they can bring to the table that that as investors they don't have. So, I think that path is that we'll we'll continue to see more of that going forward. Um, and I actually think it's a as an esport fan, if I just put my fan hat on for a minute, I think that's awesome. Like I like I I, I think like they th- these guys bring they're really savvy guys. Like they've run traditional sports teams, they uh, understand how to. Uh, how to do that. And I think like, I want to get to a world where as an esports fan, I can drive to my local arena or studio or whatever it is, buy my ticket, get a hot dog and a beer and buy a Jersey and sit down and watch an esport match and two or three hours later drive home. Like I I think that would be so cool because that's one of my favorite things to do in the world is to drive up to Staples and watch the Clippers. Sorry, Shane, man. Um, (laughs) The, like we need to have experiences like that for esports fans too. And I think these guys that are investing in esports, they know how to do that. So I think as an esports fan, you should be really excited about the future where those capabilities get brought into the sport that we love. I just want to say, oh, yeah. I, I just, yeah, it's like all of us I, want to jump on that. Yeah, I will. First off, I just want to say that, um, you know, I was fortunate enough to be with some friends who happen to be, you know, people that were, you know, potentially interested in, in all of this. And I, you know, as a fan or whatnot, it was so cool seeing, all of the esports team owners that we all love dearly in the same room as like a lot of these other uh, owners and investors that we respect as businessmen and you know mm. just w- whatever you know whatnot. So how cool is it that Blizzard essentially has made a mixer for these two groups of people? I mean, seriously, right? I mean, yeah, we're talking yeah, about the Overwatch I, League, I, but you know, we're talking about t- Dignitas, Team Liquid. You know, look what's happened to them. That's that's a future in my eyes, and I think you know seeing these groups of people in the same room, there's probably a lot of folks that were very happy to get a chance to you know exchange contacts, start conversations in that room. Mm-hmm. No, I think it's cool. Like, look, I mean, that was really important to me. It was, we were just, like putting together the plan for how we were going to announce the Overwatch League and the event that we had on Friday. Um, I, I have 
I have just as much respect for what Astros built as I as I do for you know what uh, I'm trying to think of who who whose picture ended up on the internet from Friday, but like guys like you know Robert Kraft who everybody saw there was a tweet about it, but um, like 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 guys like Astro guys like Jack like those guys have built awesome brands and businesses and I I we I think it's important to us that we uh we treat them exactly the same way as we mm-hmm. treat the folks from traditional sports cuz they have just as much expertise even if it's in different areas that they bring to the table yeah as a, as a big fan of team liquid and the warriors if if they have a san francisco team i that's like my dream come true right there you guys have so much already that's uh, why don't they come hey, down to florida to man it's hey like, uh, yeah, man they had, they had to basically be the laughing stock of the league for like almost yeah, two, for a really <laughs> yeah, long time yeah, okay yeah, that's true that's jason true. go so, yeah okay so this is i think a really important question it's not like on the list we have but it's like a follow-up to this is like how are you guys looking at protecting the, the esports organizations compared to the traditional sports? Because the the money, the the funds that traditional esports has compared mm-hmm. to esports organizations is completely different. And obviously, you can't just allow esports organizations like Cloud Nine or, or NBS to be pushed out. So, is there any sort of like protection in in or in plan or in the pipeline for them to make sure they're incorporated into the scene? Or are you look at them maybe being bought out by traditional sports? I, or I, I don't know. I don't think. Like our job is not to influence that at all. I think mm-hmm. what I'm focused on is building, building what I think is going to be the the best system going forward, where people can can feel like they're investing in something that is a real asset that actually has IP attached to it, which is really really important to think about in esports. Like, um, you know, having a a guaranteed spot in a publisher run league, I think is um, is really, really important, an important step, uh, in, in ensuring stability for, for years to come. So I think that's what we're focused on. I think, you know, uh, as Chan man said, um, you know, we, we hosted a mixer on Friday. I think the, it's also important to us that those worlds get together. And to the extent that the, what we're putting together around overwatch league can facilitate conversations between all those people. I think that that's a, a, a positive for everybody involved because again, like if, if we, if we went out and had a, a, a bunch of owners from traditional sports that have, have no history and have no idea how to run an esports team, I don't think it's going to go very well. Okay. I actually can agree with that. Yeah. I don't know who's ne- who's next then, up on this one. I don't know. I mean, what do you got for me? Come yeah, on. Uh, there, there's some more in here. Um, I, I guess just a very open general question. What, what are you looking for in teams that want to be part of this league? Like, what, is it just going to be if you have the money, you can buy your way in? Or I assume you're going to be kind of hand selecting. Yeah, it's not about money. I mean, the having a buy-in is is, is strictly because we. We want team owners to be invested in building and growing this for the long term. And I think the way that we're structuring this with a guaranteed spot, um, you know, with a share in the league economics for teams, I think that because we're doing that, that's worthy of an investment. And and we want people who are going to invest in this and feel because they invested, like they want to help grow and build awesome brands around their city and help this thing grow. Um, So I think that's an area that we're, we're, we're super focused on. I think the what we're more interested than like who bids a ton of money is like what capabilities do people bring to the table. Um, we we want to make sure that uh, all the owners we work with are best in class operators, uh, people who have capability 
um, with local sponsorship and advertising. People have capability with uh, finding and growing and fostering the best esport talent. Uh, people have cap- capabilities in terms of um, uh, local venues and activations. I think we want to make sure that we're getting people who have uh, capabilities across a broad range of areas that we want to continue to grow and invest in. And the hypothesis is that if you take Overwatch, which I think we can all agree is a pretty awesome game, you you create a, a great structure where people can invest in uh, and 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 have it be uh, grow and be sustainable for the long term. And then you add best in class owners and operators who are invested and bring capability to the table. Uh, we think this thing is a, a huge opportunity to be tremendously successful for a really long time. Yeah, I mean, definitely the league is is a, you know a centralized, I guess you could say, storyline for the entire uh, the game and community is is extremely important, and we've seen it be successful in in, in other games too. Um, from as a community member, as somebody that that organizes events too, uh, how will you guys like? I guess how lenient will you guys be about like teams participating in other events? Well, we we haven't shared any details on that mm-hmm. yet. I mean, I think. We really want to have an off season. We yeah. for a lot of That's reasons. Awesome. It's it, I I think you know it's it's really tough. I you know talk to some of these uh, pro Counter Strike players and it's it's hard, man. Those guys those guys are on the road like every single week. They never have time to practice. Like talking to a guy the other day, he was like said he literally hadn't hadn't been to his apartment in almost six months. Um, it's it's, oh it's rough, right? And uh, I think we want to. <laughs> like we want to create like a consistent season where every single year you know when Overwatch League happens and then it goes away for a little while and that's okay like it's okay that it goes away um we want to have third party tournaments happen we want to have uh the ability for teams and players to go participate in other things and we don't want to like control the entire ecosystem and say that nothing else can happen but Overwatch League so um that's going to be an area that we focus on we'll have more details like all the details around uh teams and players and player like exactly what player contracts will look like uh, that whole structure we'll we'll have out in in the next couple months as we roll this thing out but um i think the off season is going to be great for uh community and third party events and then also if players actually want to take a break God right. forbid. no we definitely yeah, need and, an off season please please for sure it's a, and actually in, one of, in the so video good. like in the video for it talks about like you can prove <clears throat> yourself to be put into the combine through third-party events so that's mm-hmm. definitely something that's exciting but we, we talked about like the long-term goals like 2018 19 more towards 19 but what mm-hmm. about like the immediate future what's happening with with the whole league our teams being like flowed into a centralized area and matches will be you know casted from there are we looking at them playing in their home cities um, do they need to live in their home cities right away like yeah those are all good questions um i think uh if i if i say anything about that right now um the uh, the the operations team will strangle me um but the idea is like we're we're probably not gonna ha- it's not gonna be the kind of thing where everyone's playing home games and lives in their home city in the first year like we'll we're, like i said we're gonna work to that um but i also think like only playing games in one location is not great as i mentioned earlier like it kind of sucks that you only get to watch uh you know certain competitions if you live in la or shanghai or seoul so i think we, we ideally it'll move around a little bit but we'll have more details to share on that we should have that uh, pretty early next year rolling out details and we we've built um 
you can already go to overwatchleague.com and there's there's a, a page up there with uh, some information around the league and we're going to be using that and rolling out a full feature rich website in the coming months that's going to have all the details but that's going to be uh, the the sort of hub for everything around Overwatch League. Right, cool. I have and I have like I can stay for like ten more minutes, so let's rapid okay, fire it. Yeah, real real quick, World Cup. So World Cup was, you know, in my opinion, a very successful event. Really enjoyed it. Uh, mm-hmm. Wanted to see if this is going to be a, an annual thing, or or what your thoughts on it generally were. So I hope now that people saw the Overwatch League announcement, they understand why we did World Cup and why we didn't. I, there was a lot of. Uh, 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 stuff and feedback from the community around like, Oh, why is blizzard not doing like a real esports event? And I think now that you've seen our announcement um, and that we're going this sort of city-based team route, we thought the thing, the other thing that we really need to layer on that is national team competition. And for this first year, we did the fan voting thing because we, we, we really want to try to get the community more engaged in esports and try to uh, give them something, something to root for. And I, I agree. I think it was hugely successful. We had, uh, huge engagement on the vote. Uh, viewership was awesome throughout the throughout the tournament. Um, uh, we had uh, the the I think it was someone told me that we had the the highest viewership on Twitch for a Korean stream um, of anything we've ever done before. We had like over I think it was like forty five k on Twitch watching the Korean stream, which is pretty crazy. <laughs> considering I don't know, you probably know the actual number, Ben, but I think. Twitch penetration just, just about that well, point, yes. Yeah, but Twitch penetration in Korea is like five percent, right? It's like oh, very wow. tiny percentage of the market. So um, we're growing every day. Uh, <laughs> gotta give a plug. Gotta give a plug for yeah. my man, my man Ben. Um, the uh, uh, so I think viewership was really successful, and I think we we really had a blast with the tournament. It was so cool having. I mean, think about like. We had two teams from Southeast Asia make it to BlizzCon. They were yeah. there for opening week, Thailand and Singapore. Like that's never happened before that you get, you know, the that players from a country like Thailand who normally uh, doesn't get a lot of exposure on the international stage actually gets to come and participate against teams from the West. I think that's really, really cool. And the World Cup is the best way to do that. I think we had like 54 countries that could participate this year. A lot of that is like legal stuff. Uh, but I, I, my hope is that um, we can continue to build out that World Cup program. I don't know. It's something that we're still deciding if it's an annual thing, if it's a biannual thing, like how that actually works. But um, if anything, I, I can I can promise you that if we do it again, um, we'll we'll do it bigger and we'll make it more uh, of an all star event and less of a kind of like celebrity show match event. I think. Um, Ooh, I like that. Know, <laughs> the idea, like, look, like everybody wants to jump on the the Korea train and. I'll tell you why Korea won the World Cup. Korea didn't win the World Cup because of the infrastructure in Korea or because Korea is good at other video games. Korea won the World Cup because those six guys that were on Team Korea <laughs> wanted it more than everybody else. Every single night I saw those kids, they were scrimming. I mean, Jason, you you were with these guys all weekend. They, they were scrimming every night. They, were, they weren't going to the bar. They were going back to the hotel and watching VODs. Like, they just wanted it. And they, they, were, they were the first not, ones there and the last to leave. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, would do, they were not going to lose that tournament. And I think that level of dedication uh, is awesome. And uh, I, I think that that's the only story that should be coming out about why Korea won is they just wanted it more. Well, that perfectly segues again. Awesome. Uh, what do you think it was about the South Korean team? I mean, not just the, their mentality and their work ethic, 
but I, I know Nate that you're a player and a player of Overwatch and a fan of the game itself. What do you think that what, what do you think it was that set that team apart? So my favorite thing about Korea, um, I, I have a. I'm a little bit of a Miro fanboy, so this. <laughs> yeah, just, aren't we a little? Are we little? all at this point? <laughs> this will be yes. colored by that, but I I love how like you know six months ago, uh, what what do they say on Discord? No aim, no brain. I'm a Winston yep. main. Yep. Um, and and this this idea that like Winston is this low skill cap hero, and I think what what Miro proved in the World Cup is that every single hero in overwatch has a ridiculously high skill cap it's not just tracer and genji that are really hard to play and like he did things with winston that i think people didn't even realize were possible uh like just the way that he managed his shift like jumping onto certain ledges and sliding off and hitting shift at the perfect time so he's already cooling down while he's in the air i mean the, the, he he's taken that hero to the next level and i i'm personally extremely excited to see as the overwatch league launches and as overwatch esports continues to grow that that players like miro who are going to be growing up as overwatch players like you think about it like uh we're pretty old ben like we didn't grow up we we have lots of bad habits from other games and but there's going to be a whole generation of kids that grow up as sort of native overwatch players and they're going to take this game to to just an obscene level in terms of of skill. And I, I for one, can't uh, can't wait to see it. And I think that's that was the lesson of Korea is they're they're taking uh, Winston and 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 Zarya and like their Anna. Pl- I mean, their Anna player. Oh God! Oh my God! Jay Hong. Jay Hong. I had, ridiculous. I had uh, like literally everyone on that entire roster is just scary, scary. Yeah. Good. Well, and the scary thing is, their Lucio. He's not even a player. He's just a coach. Uh, but yeah, and I, and I love, I love like, I don't know. I, I personally, I like to see a little friendly banter in esports. I like, um, uh, you know, play nice, play fair, of course, but every now and again, it's okay to, to, to have a little fun with it. And, uh, yeah, man, that was a little, it hurt me a little bit as an American with my, I voted sticker when, uh, when, when, when Miro pinned a seagull and waved to him. Oh, that was yeah, rough. Yeah. Oh, oh, are you sure that wasn't tailspin on Eichenwald at the end there? Oh, you're right. That was, right. That was oh my like, God. Yeah, that, that was, was that was like the cruelest yeah. pin of all time. And that, that, yeah. That's yeah. what's he really was, cool. Too, he was is... pinning America's hopes <laughs> <laughs> of the tournament. <laughs> no, but, it's, uh, but it's, to bring it back to the, ahead, the yeah. sorry, ahead, uh, to bring it back to the World Cup a little bit. Is there any like hopes to use this as like an MSI, like in League of Legends or an All-Stars? Um, kind of thing where you have exhibitions because obviously within the league, right? This is only mostly probably what mm-hmm. North American for the first year. I think what that made the league really excel was the was the the world conflicts, like the world's battling it out against each other, different regions. Is that something you guys are looking at doing as well? Yeah, it's a possibility. I mean, I think we're still like we're going to spend the next month or so going back and like, what do we like about the World Cup? What what would we want to do differently next time? And I think that that's one of the things we heard loud and clear from the community is like. We really want to make sure that, like, the best players possible are representing our country. So I think we'll we'll look into ways to doing that. And it's probably going to be a BlizzCon type of thing. I mean, are there championships? Do you, do you anticipate championships being at BlizzCon or off of BlizzCon? Because I mean, I'm seeing like for Overwatch League or just general, yeah, Overwatch League. And I mean, I'm seeing like in Hearthstone, for instance, they're taking the championship off of it next year. And I'm wondering yeah. if that's a trend. Uh, well, I think. We're, there's always going to be an awesome esport Overwatch esport event at BlizzCon. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I don't, I don't know exactly what that'll be for next year or the year after, but yeah. there will always be something awesome. Like we built, 
like i don't know for anyone wasn't that wasn't there hopefully you heard about like we actually just we weren't in the arena so we just went ahead and built an arena uh and and it turned out really really cool we had like a massive line of people trying to get in all all all, uh, all weekend so we'll we'll make sure we try to solve that for next year but um i think for overwatch league uh certainly as as it moves forward we think um we want the world championship for overwatch league to be an extremely special event that lives on its own so that that will likely live outside of blizzcon but we'll always have something really awesome at blizzcon all right well i think that's gonna be we're gonna wrap up nate but i've got one last question for you given that it's such a big political day here in the u.s (laughs) and i'll let you you know make make your or answer this the semi-political statement why is overwatch the next great esport before you leave Oh, I think I thought you were going to ask me the who e-sports I voted for. Grading? <laughs> are you going to yeah, vote for? Oh, I won't put you. It's going to be huge. Uh, uh, yeah, it's just Overwatch is tremendous. Uh, no, um, <laughs> so I, I think the thing about Overwatch that, like our 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 vision for Overwatch League, like our goal is we we want to make this. Uh, you know, it's all about like I mentioned earlier, consistency, stability, accessibility. We want to make this like. Uh, something that's around for decades and decades to come. Like that's the goal. I mean, it, it, at Blizzard, when you think about what Blizzard does, if you were to, to boil it down, like Blizzard makes iconic franchises that that last forever. I mean, the people are still playing uh, uh, Diablo two. I mean, we just patched it a couple months ago, right? Like, they're, mm-hmm. the, the, these games uh, have a, a long term appeal. And as you think about, um, you just look around. Like, I, I have a son. I don't know. You have kids too, Shane. Like, my son's six. Like, six years old. All he wants to do is play Overwatch. Um, yeah. Like literally every day, just draws. He's a, a filthy Bastion main, but um, all he does is draw me pictures of Bastion. It's great. Disappointed. The, the the these kids growing up, like there's kids growing up with Overwatch, and I think you know this is this because of how beautiful the game is, how diverse and uh, appealing the art style and the heroes are. Um, this this I think is a game that like really is uh, not just like bright and hopeful from the tone of the of the game and the universe but uh we think the esport can be that too and and this is something that we want to build this long term and make this um you know like my my hope with the overwatch league is that whoever ends up being the best player in the overwatch league uh like you know my kid has a a poster on his bedroom wall and that's something that he aspires to be like just like i had a poster of michael jordan on my bedroom wall when i grew up um and i think that's the kind of system that we want to build and and i i think for all of the reasons that make overwatch an incredible ip that's going to last for decades and decades and decades the fact that this is a game that is so appealing to such a broad range of of people and the fact that you have uh uh you know uh, kids in in middle school and all they do is is talk about and play overwatch and they're going to grow up with overwatch um we 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 have we're we feel pretty good that this is going to be a game that's around for a long time. And I think the structure that we're building is built for the long term and hopefully it'll be around a long time too. All of that came through perfectly in the intro video, by the way, Uh, the the posters (laughs) on the wall, all of that. So nice. Yeah. Cool. All right, Nate. Well, I appreciate you being here. I know you're a busy guy, so you know I super appreciate that you, you were able to take some time and and, uh, get a chance to answer our questions and hang out with us. Anytime, Shannon, man. Super fun. Uh, been listening to your podcast for, for years. So super, super, super cool to finally be on it. And obviously, 
Ben and Jason, two of my favorite people. So oh, let me know, uh, or, or at least, you know, two of many of my favorite people. But, uh, <laughs> good uh, save. Good save. Any, any, any time have, I'd be happy to come back whenever Kiki lets me. All right, cool. Man. Thanks, Kiki. <laughs> Kiki, thanks, Kiki. Thanks, she's Kiki. there somewhere too. She's obviously out of the pick, but uh, yeah, thanks, Kiki, for sure. Uh, we're gonna take a quick break, guys, and then we're going to reset some of these cams, and then we're gonna continue talking about some of the BlizzCon announcements, Sombra, of course, and all that good stuff. But we're gonna say bye to Nate for now. Bye, Nate. See you guys. Thanks. All right, we're at. Okay, we're going. We're back here. You're you're ready. You're ready. You're, ready. you're totally ready. You're totally ready. <laughs> well, that was that was awesome, man. It was, I think we got a lot of our questions. He was answering questions before we even could even ask them, which was yeah. Which was cool. It was kind of funny how he like segued perfectly for almost every question. <laughs> I know it's almost like he knew those questions. Yeah, it's amazing. And guys, amazing. I, I just do want to clarify. Um, would have loved to pry into super specific details, but obviously they're not going to be able to share a lot of those for now. So yeah. we did kind of focus that interview on more wide scoping, like ph philosophical questions about who he is, what, what the league is about, <laughs> what it's trying to accomplish. So uh, hopefully we will get more concrete details soon, but nonetheless, I thought that was very informative just to hear kind of Nate's perspective on everything as he is kind Absolutely. of the guy lead leading the charge. Yeah, he's a great guy too. So it's it's good good that he's at the helm on on all out of this. And again, like you know, I was telling him, it's just it's, it's, there's a lot of people I want to talk to Nate right now. So the fact that you know Kiki uh, you know helped us uh, kind of line that up and him taking the time out of his day, especially right now after BlizzCon and and whatnot, it, that's we're very very fortunate to have him on. Very very cool. Okay, so let's talk about BlizzCon. The rest of the things that were announced at BlizzCon, which were a ton of things. Oh, by the way, guys. If you guys want to uh, ask questions, we have we do have our Q and A today. It's going to be at the end, and I know some folks were asking earlier. Go ahead and tweet those questions to myself at ChamMV. Uh, otherwise, you can hang around Twitch chat. And moving forward, for all the folks that are listening on the audios, I, I just kind of realized, which is really bad of, of me, that you guys seem to be missing out on Q and A every single week. So if you guys have a question leading into the next show, please email those to the overview at ChamMV.tv, and we'll be sure to read them the following week. Okay, so BlizzCon. All right, so lots of things announced. New character, Sombra, finally, right? Uh, Jason, you're probably working during that time, right? But Ben, did, did you get a chance? I couldn't really hear much backstage, no. Oh, no. Not at all. Ben, were you in? You were at the opening ceremony, right? Yeah, no, I was there. How about that announcement, man, for Sombra? That was pretty sweet. It was pretty good, and it's, it's so funny because we've been talking about the ARG stuff on the show for week after week. Oh, God. People were getting so salty and pissed about it. Uh, but the moment she's released, like, it's all forgiven. It's all okay now. We finally have Sombra. She's finally here. We know what she does. We know what she looks like. The lore started to get flushed out, which is pretty cool. Uh, and she's a very interesting character. A lot of people are saying she's OP, and I think her Wait, wait. We, yes. so before we get into like the, the depths yeah. of like how she works, can we just talk about like how 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 many times and how much we all orgasm when we saw the behind the scenes stuff and we watched <laughs> exactly. and then she hacks the video? Exactly. Like that was, was amazing. Like I was yeah, watching, was... I was like, holy shit, is this a glitch? Like when it started to freeze, I was like, oh shit, what's production doing? And then I realized <laughs> right. it's part of the video, and I was like, holy crap, that was amazing. That was. I mean, even just the footage, honestly, leading into all of that was pretty badass. Just seeing, you know, the launch day and whatnot. And I was like, oh, this is awesome. So they they set it up amazingly, and it goes straight into the short too. So just flowed perfectly. They did an awesome 
awesome job. De- definitely um, just creating that and thinking that uh, or coming up with that. Uh, but I saw all these like reaction videos on YouTube. There's literally like a thousand reaction videos to that that moment in the opening ceremony that are that are pretty funny and got tons of views. <laughs> Okay, Ben, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, go ahead, ben, ben. Now get I mean, into the sorry, details, I don't, know if, I don't know if we just want to talk about like her, the minutiae of her kit and all of that. Yeah, we should talk. Um, yeah. Played, played with her a little bit, and uh, obviously she is built to kind of be this, this character that can come from flanking angles, surprise people from behind, disengage very well. Of course, she's got the teleporter, um, which I think is actually not as good for throwing the teleporter into the fray and teleporting in. It's probably better to throw it out of the fray and get yourself out. Um, But if you combo, you can actually throw the teleporter while you're in the stealth run mode, Mm -hmm. teleport, stay in stealth, and flank all the way around back behind teams very easily. On a lot of maps, I think this is going to be huge, especially maps that tend to focus around a single choke point. You know, you're thinking first point Hanamura, you're thinking first point uh, even King's Row, things like that. You're going to be able to get a good flanking angle. But the one thing... I don't actually think she's OP as OP as a lot of other pros were saying right off the bat, because even if you flank all the way behind the enemy team and, and one V one a support, her gun isn't really that good. Like you have to be right up in their face. And even then I think you can get out fragged by almost every other character in the game. Um, I haven't really played with her too much. I don't know what you guys think, but in one V one situations, like I don't really see her excelling. It, it's really interesting. Yeah, she's with, not really. Oh, I was gonna, go ahead. So no, no, go ahead. one thing that was interesting about her is that she's classified as offense too. And you know, we had this panel at, at BlizzCon the Overtalk where I asked Aaron Keller about that. You know, and you know, it just she's so different than every single D, uh, DPS or offensive character. I mean, the ultimate's not offensive. You know, it's it's a very utility based type of. Um, ultimate as well as her kit i think the most powerful parts of her kit aren't even offensive necessarily so yeah so so i don't know i I guess what do you guys think like do you think she's actually an offensive character she's like you can't okay she's like classified as offensive but i think that's due to her kit because she's like meant to be aggressive and um to like penetrate the defense or whatever but i don't know she's she's a utility hero mostly she's like symmetra practically Mm -hmm. um and I even talked to, like, I was on the, the bus back with Tivik going to the airport uh, and the, on Sunday. And they were saying, yeah, she's completely utility and doesn't really see her as being a hero. You can just drop into the current meta and then, bam, she's playable. It's more of you have to play a comp around her to make her work, to make her excel. Just like with Anna. Like, originally, Anna didn't work too well. We saw Energy, I think Luminos at the time, trying to play her as, like, two supports, but two DPS and two tanks. And it just didn't really work out. People are going to have to figure out how to like unlock what makes her powerful and how she can facilitate other people. Um, I don't know if she's super overpowered because even her, her stealth is actually not that strong. Mm-hmm. Any damage you take while in stealth, you you break stealth. So if you have like a Winston or anyone who's spammy um, or you know potentially in those directions, she's going to get caught and she's probably going to die unless she's able to teleport back away. Yeah, I mean, I think her stealth is actually really good though. I mean, she moves very quickly. Her speed increases too while while she's stealth. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the, the thing that I don't like the most about her is the teleporter. It, it feels really. It feels like you stop short of where the actual you know locator thing lands every time I do it. So like instead of like like going all the way so that you're on top of the the locator, I feel like you land short of it every single time, and it's it, it's a weird feeling. Like I don't even sometimes I don't even feel like I'm teleporting more so than I'm just like darting a little bit. I I, I got the same feeling that yeah. it if you like activate it, it seems like it doesn't. It's like right before where where you thought it was going to be, but mm-hmm. I think 
that's just a feeling thing and you'll you'll get used to the timing a little bit more over time uh, I, I was playing a little bit and watching some other people like Vic and stir <laughs> yeah. stream her yesterday a lot and there were some really cool moments where you know you're in a firefight that you throw the tell like someone's trying to disengage from you you throw your teleport chase them and then get the kill like those are actually really cool and exciting moments but i still come back to the fact that in a 1v1 situation she's going to lose to most characters in the game yeah um but we haven't really talked about her ultimate very much i mean the effect the fact that she can aoe silence a group of players is crazy good especially that the group that the uh, aoe is pretty big but i think the Isn't actual like crazier seconds? thing Sorry? Isn't it like five seconds too? Like how long the silence is? Yeah, it's, I, I'm not sure it's how many seconds like it is. Insanely but long. I think no, the crazier uh, thing is that it's instant. Yeah. So that means if a Reinhardt has his shield up, you just break it. If you if he if you ever are in a situation, like let's say it's let's say just as an example, last point on Dorado. Uh, where the defender spawn is so close mm -hmm. to the very end. Yep. And there's so many situations where your team gets in, you might be able to get one kill, but there's a Reinhardt shield, you can't get enough kills, and they spawn, they come back. Just imagine, they're going to all be clumped up on the point. You have to be more or less clumped up on the point at that last section. She's going to be able to shatter the Reinhardt shield, disable all abilities, uh, and I think that's going to make amazing opportunities to push in. Um, but or even like a dead eye. She's right. she's an initiator yeah. for every single other yeah. uh, other ultimate. Yeah. I mean, whether yeah, exactly. it's Reinhardt's ultimate, nope. it's May's ultimate. It's, I mean, everything that relies on Reinhardt blocking, it, it's just gone now. And on top of that, I like think, you guys said, it silences everybody. It's <laughs> just insane. Yeah. So it's like crazy. one thing that I think Tavik was saying to me on the bus is that it it stops any engagement or stops any disengagement because of the fact you can silence the speed boost out of Lucio. You can silence and stop Anatomist from even happening and kill that target. Like, if you see a Genji, for instance, Shadowburn, the way he was playing on Russia, he would always dash straight into the air as high as he possibly could. You see that, like, all right, well, let me EMP real quick, kill the Ana, or stop the Ana from ulting him, and he's going to drop back in already in the progress of using his ultimate. And that completely stops any sort of hard engagement that they're trying to go for. Yeah. I think, I don't know, like, the, the question comes down to, of like, the Reinhardt shield, does May do the job better? Blizzard takes a little bit longer for it to go off for the shield to drop, but eventually it will fall. Um, she also has a lot more survivability and she has a lot more utility in terms of forcing fights in situations or creating, creating an environment to fight in, I guess is a better way to say it. Um, I don't know. Like the, I think the silence is so damn strong though. Like five seconds, I think is what chat did say or five or six yeah. of not being able to do any ability. That's ridiculous. Like that, even just from a design standpoint, it, you know, it's like, that's a lot of people that feel terrible. Like, we all felt bad when we get stunned. You know, you know the, one of the biggest thing, right, that we talked about with McCree is that getting stunned felt so bad, and we would just die, you know, and, and that really sucked. Uh, you know, and we don't get frozen or stunned or anything like that, but we basically can't do anything except for left-click for a period of time. And a large amount of people doing that, it, it's surprising they, they actually chose to go down that route. It's really good, and I think it, it sets up for interesting, you know, team battles. But, it um, screws Lucio over. Yeah, you can't Lucio shift bad, to switch back to your healing, yeah, right? Exactly. Or you can't switch to your speed. Miro, exactly. so you I, had I had that happen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Imagine Miro is like getting in the face of supports and then suddenly gets hacked. He can't get out anymore. He can't That's drop right. a shield. He can't get out. A Winston going too deep, a D.Va going too deep is suddenly going to have zero dis disengage whatsoever if, that, uh, if Sombra can actually get on them. Uh, the question is, how impactful really is that? Can you just alter your strategy to not 
put yourself in a situation where you're going to get screwed over by Sombra. If if Sombra can't find massive utility from the hack from the EMP, then she's not going to be contributing a lot in these team fights just with her core DPS. That said, there's probably going to be crazy amounts of opportunities for those to come into play. And I think it's going to take a really long time for people to get to that level. But once they do, once they're like, oh, I'm going to just hack the Zarya. I'm going to like stealth in, hack the Zarya, no more bubbles, no charge for Zarya, like take Zarya out of the picture. Like that's a huge deal. But I think it's going to take a while for people to learn how to use her. But even, even, her, as a, even her as a flanker, I mean, the hack, the actual right click hack happens really quickly too. So, like, if you hack to say an Ana, you're gonna own an Ana. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. so that even her her right click is good, and and we haven't even talked about hacking health packs. I, I I'm wondering how effective. I mean, because in theory, I think that's crazy. You know, it's really really good, and 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 maps are designed so that health kits are in very crucial places. So, um, you know, she can alter that. But, but how many can she hack at once? Can she just, just do one? Just or one can you do like every? Yeah. It's just and it's one. not like the twelve second cooldown. Yeah, yeah. It's just one, so um, I don't know if her ult like, affects it too or not. But, um, ben, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, so, so Ben brought up a really good point, though. The fact that like her kit isn't tuned. To, it's not Genji, where like every move Genji has basically gives him damage. Like his shift, he can dash through, do damage. His mm -hmm. reflect, he can do damage with it. Technically, his ultimate, obviously, but she's she has a kit based around like utility based around protecting and helping and forcing engagements uh, around your team i don't think she has much 1.1 v1 potential like the stealth yeah. like like i was saying you can run away you can teleport away yeah maybe go to a health pack and get some more help to go back into the fight but in the way overwatch works you never really truly have these one-on-one -on -one situations so you're most likely going to be 1v2 if you try to sneak into the back line mm -hmm. and it's gonna be one of those heroes that you have to learn to play really well to make her excel i think it's not just mm -hmm. like a hero you can pick up and be like oh I'm actually not really good at her, but based off her kit, I can be decent kind of thing. And I think it's a takeaway. It's like Ana, like yeah, that, it's kind of like Ana. Yeah, this is hype. And people in chat That's are correcting good. us. Uh, there's a 12 second cooldown on every hack, but hacking a health pack lasts it, a that, full minute. That lasts forever. The, the so health that's actually different. really long. And I have a I have a sneaking suspicion that this is gonna make Sombra's actually uh, viable on King of the Hill, uh, especially those King of the Hill points with health packs like big health packs all around the 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 point like uh some of the points um potentially on ilios some of the points on lijong where they're big health packs like really close to the point if she can actually have good control over that that's like well that's so actually kind of substantial can you have you so you can hack multiple med kits at once i yes. thought once you hack chat, one of them know. then the other one turns off but okay wow that's so you really good. You stop like flankers, like that's Genji. Really you good. Stop yeah, like Reapers and everything. Them. Like, yeah, Ilios has a lot of key ones near the near the point. And so Phenom says, like in chat, he's saying she'd be an assassin diving on low health heroes, but like, there's no re there's no reward mm. to dive a low health hero for her. Like with Genji, yeah. you can reset and dash away, right? But she doesn't have a reset mechanic as I mean, far as I know. It's the locator, basically. I mean, you can you can get out. Yeah, the, with the locator. that's the one reason that she can be an uh, assassination type hero is that the fact that she can disengage, but. I don't think that that's going to be viable in, in Stealth, too dude. many situations. Stealth, you can get out of there. Yeah. yeah. It takes like a ha like maybe a quarter second to activate the stealth, which doesn't doesn't sound like a lot, but I think it's going to be enough 
for people to see her stealthing and like figure out where she's going. <laughs> my like, son killed thing. me so many times. We were 1v1ing Sombra. She killed me so many times while I was stealth. It was disgusting. Oh, you know, one thing that was cool that she told he So at one point we just did 2v2 with like Anna's on our team too. And um, he said that at one point I went stealth and Anna had her, you know, like was shooting me, right? So they had the health like syringes in me and he could see like little yellow speckles that were yeah and i was like really he's like yeah so i could totally see you and he was shooting me i was like wow okay that's kind of cool um so one thing to to note i guess if you're playing with annas and going stealth with sombra that that can happen there's a lot of people like i think overestimating her stealth like in chat like i don't know i i from what i heard from tavik and from what i see i don't really think her stealth is like this giant you can't see me like i'm gonna get into the backline no matter what you can't stop because like the higher you get people are going to predict like that stuff. And I, I don't really see the thing is with like the way Anna works right now, you don't really have low health targets. There's not like someone sitting for yeah. three seconds right. on 10 HP. They can go and assassinate. It's people who are good enough. will always see it and heal you up right away. So I don't know. I think it's really risky if she goes in like that, because well, a, if you stealth and try to get into the back line, you're fighting five V six or you're fighting, yeah, you're fighting five V six because your team can just be pushed into, and then you can lose a fight. So there's, I think it's going to be really difficult. I don't know for teams to really understand her and people keep talking about her, her passive i don't fully know what her passive does if you guys could explain that uh her pa- wait which passive the one where she can see like I don't know, people, uh, people keep saying there's passive well, and I well there's I one there's one thing where she can see player. people she can see people that are below 50 percent health through walls okay yeah even if you're yeah, i think i yeah. think that's what they're referring to yeah, yeah yeah it's actually pretty good but i don't think your teammates can see it. it's just her it's just you know that, that one's a little bit weird to me like i don't I don't know. It just seems a little bit weird, but yeah, it's okay. Cool, I, guess. I mean, it's it's more one of those things when you're you know engaging somebody or maybe somebody's like some support's really really low and you can go finish the job. Um, but yeah, overall, I, I think it'll it'll be it's going to take one, it's going to be one of those things where it's going to take months. I think until even the pro players really dive into coming up with comps that they'll bring out even in competition. And we saw that with Ana too. It took months before uh, people yeah. came up with you know the three three or what whatever right, and, and we started seeing Ana a lot more. Um, yeah, I wonder how long it'll take because, uh, you know, it's in PTR right now. That means it's probably going to be out in a couple weeks, right? Two, three weeks or something like that. hope so. Yeah. I hope that I hope she comes out as well as some of those other PTR changes that we've been waiting for. Yeah. Okay, well, I mean, cool. you've got well, you've got MLG Vegas coming up. You've got yeah. uh, the Apex Dream finals coming up. Dreamhack, yeah. It's like you don't really have a good time to implement the patch, right? Because it's not like you can play do it now. on the last patch. If they so do it right now, tough. then it'll it'll be in time, sort of, for DreamHack. Sort of. Either if they don't do it now, then the, you're right. They probably will have to wait till like after MLG or something. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Okay, let, let's get through some of these too, because I know Jason, you're uh, having to go soon. Oasis. Uh, I haven't got a chance to even play the map yet. I, I, I haven't run into it yet when I was playing the ladder. Uh, and haven't gone on customs either. Have you guys played Oasis at all with the jump pads and everything? Not had a chance yet, unfortunately. God, I'm excited to try the jump pads. That's Dude, fun. I love the idea of jump pads, pads in Overwatch. It almost yeah. feels like, why didn't this happen sooner? I mean, Overwatch so shamelessly borrowed ideas from FPSs throughout the last decade, two decades. Feels like jump pads like would have been perfect instead of these like slow elevators, um, but I think it's going to be awesome. I'm looking forward to jump um, pads. I can't wait to dive my first high noon. That's, that's I, I, in fact, I, in fact, I wouldn't up. mind if they just like switch out all the elevators with jump pads like instantly. Elevate, oh. No one likes the elevators, right? 
That's true, but then you couldn't have a Torgren turret that's just constantly going up and down and kicking, you know, killing you bouncing? in Hollywood and shit. <laughs> what? Bouncing Torgren. Bouncing? Oh my god, that would be amazing. That would be totally good. Bouncing Bastion. Bouncing Bastion. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'd, I'd, I'd like to see that, at least uh, in a YouTube video or whatnot. Uh, okay, let's talk about the arcade. That's another big announcement, and that um, you know, basically the brawl area, I guess, is, has uh, gotten upgraded to more of an arcade area, so... The brawl exists in there. They they've added three or four different modes: a one v one mode, a three v three mode, and a six v six random mode. On top of that, they've changed quick play so that quick play is a uh, hero limit mode now. So it's very much similar to the competitive mode. Uh, and now they've moved a six v six no hero limit into the arcade. So what used to be quick play still exists, but they just exist now in the arcade. Um, so yeah, let's talk about this. So you can actually earn loot boxes, earn XP now by playing any of these modes in the arcade, which is really really nice. Because uh, I know a lot of folks were having issues with the brawl and, and from that for that reason. Uh, and, but have you guys got a chance one v one like random? It's all random now. Which I is literally like, haven't ah. been home to play I know, that's true, anything. That's true. Unfortunately. What do you think of 1v1 no health packs, Jason? Um, I, I mean, I don't really see a ton of people, like, playing on it necessarily, like, as, like, a tournament or... I mean, you could technically do, like, a tournament. Best McCree in the world would be yeah, kind of cool, right? totally. But I think it's cool for, like, a warm-up session. To, like, just 1v1. Like, if I want to work on McCree, mm-hmm. and I know Ben's a way better McCree than I am, which is totally not true, we just 1v1, and then we can practice. You're right. We're both people. terrible at McCree. <laughs> yeah, we're both terrible at McCree's. Uh, we need to get Mitch in here for that one. But I think that could be cool to use it as, like, a way to practice kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I think I think the loot boxes thing's really cool, because one thing I liked about Heroes of the Storm and even Hearthstone is the uh, the quests that you can do yeah. to get extra, like, gold and stuff in-game. Mm-hmm. So I actually like that addition a lot. Yeah, and those of you who don't know exactly what those, you know, that loot box is, is, I think every three wins you get, you get three loot boxes, but you can get, at the most, three loot boxes per week. Oh, that's yeah. significant, though. Yeah. Nice. It's pretty cool. It's definitely good. What about you, Ben? What do you think about this whole thing? Uh, I'm just having flashbacks to arena mode and tribes, and which I've loved. as mm-hmm. basically, you know, Counter-Strike style. You, you have one life in a round, and then kill everybody until the next it's round. a new map too by the um, way there's an antarctica yeah. map right so it, it's it's um yeah they, they made a specific map this kind of battle arena essentially i think it's awesome i mean i don't know if it's bound i haven't had any time to play unfortunately yet but mm. uh, I, oh, I just random. like having more modes i like having this particular mode i'm interested to get my hands dirty with it i I want to. I want to try something new. I think someone should host a damn tournament. Yeah, in it. Just we see, should see what happens. We should do it. Me and you, uh, we talked about this last week too. We should stop talking and start doing. We will. Um, we will. Yeah. It. I'm just not like sure a, it's in like the... a three v three exhibition with like like stupid talent on each team. Like that sounds fun, man. Yeah, I mean that's so that's what I'd like. I definitely like to do that. The only the Reinhardt Mercy Bastion comp where they sit in a corner. Oh God. oh God! No. Yeah, no. there needs to be. Yeah. That's why. That's that's, that's why you you get Sombra and you just shut that crap down <laughs> and kill her. Um, no, the the only thing I think they need to change right now is just adding health packs. I, I think health packs right now, especially in one v one, it just makes it, you know, it, it it makes it so short. The games are depending on what heroes you're playing, it, it's like instantly over when you engage. And I don't know. Th- there's a lot more potential than that if you just had health packs that when you disengage, you can go heal up. Um, Okay, uh, let's see. 
Next thing. Oh, also, by the way, the brawls, there's a playlist for all the brawls too. So there's going to be an area where you can play all the brawls that you, you like that they currently have in the game. And, um, you know, that's I, maybe they'll build that up to be more like a StarCraft two arcade eventually. I don't know. That would be pretty sweet too. Uh, but, um, you know, they don't have any more insight on that. Uh, okay, I think why don't we take some questions just uh, and do it then. We'll, uh, I knew you're just trying to bring that up. What was that? Oh, talk about this, that. Talk about this, that. Uh, yeah. These these things weren't like formally announced ever, uh, yeah. but they did this they did this Q and A with the yeah. Overwatch Dev team yeah. at the end of the show. It was the last things that happened too. at BlizzCon, yeah. and they actually dropped some serious bombs. Especially I can't I can't remember his name. He's like one of the lead engineers on the game. He's the guy who does the Farah Cup latency videos. Tim, right? It's Tim. Uh, yeah. Tim, yeah. He dropped some ridiculous bombs, including the fact that Overwatch World Cup was played on 143 tick servers, I think they said. Ooh. Or just 143 hertz refresh rate, whatever. I'm not smart enough to understand. It, it said but, that, but it acted like it was higher. It's what I was told. Really? So, wow. So I, I did hear this from some of the pros, so I had a little bit of insider info wow. uh, before this. And people were saying, like, you know, Arhan, like, you know how he reflected every single <laughs> yes. hook when it came at him and every single Zarya ultimate and like Shadowburn versus USA, he reflected the tracer bombs and like just having that extra split millisecond to react to things even just raises the skill cap even more. And we saw it uh, have a big impact on the games. Uh, so that was just dropped like, oh, by the way, the World Cup was on 140 hertz plus. Don't servers. forget what that does, though, for certain heroes. It makes Zarya ridiculously strong because as long as you're tracking well, it will actually reflect it better on the server and reflect it more in terms of damage. So Zarya was actually technically a lot stronger uh, at the World Cup than she normally was. Uh, one of the other things that they mentioned, that same guy mentioned just like offhand, which this one almost blew my mind even more, is that they, in theory, eventually down the down the road, they want to have a server browser in the game so that you can have like custom mutators on different servers. And if you really like playing with low gravity or, or whatever, uh, or like two hero limit instead of one hero limit, whatever it is, uh, that you'll be able to do that with an old school server browser, which... Is something oh, you don't I actually get anymore these days. Like, hmm. yeah, they, they he just like briefly name dropped it that they that they ha- want to have a server browser eventually. Which that's old. I don't school, know. Man. That's like, cool. Uh, the old me is like would be freaking out. Like new me, I'm like <laughs> I don't mind queuing. I think it's totally fine. Yeah. But that's crazy. Yeah, that's uh, definitely good. And also in that Q and A too, Jeff mentioned for those of you that are wondering why you know you're losing more points than gaining, that there is a, he confirmed, and I think he's talked to an, talked about it in other interviews that there is a hidden yeah, MMR. Confirmed this before. Yeah, exactly. There is an MMR. He just kind of restated that um, you know sometimes it doesn't match your SR, and then they have to correct it, uh, whatnot. But um, yeah, I think other than that, I, I think that's all we have for now. So why, why don't we do some Q and A? Maybe take a few questions, or maybe two questions, and then we'll we'll. Um, call it a day okay scott hibernian hero from twitter asks now that somber has been added what kind of hero do you think overwatch needs the most next tank tank yes tank would be tank. nice god i would tank. kill that a new right reinhardt like tank because reinhardt is the only hero that fills his niche Gosh, seriously i completely agree uh with jason with there you. yeah yeah do, i mean if they if they didn't revert the diva 
or if they if they let it so like the diva matrix you could turn it on and off on and off like super fast like before the one second cooldown change i think diva could sort of still fill, fill that niche but totally agree there's no like true tank that that's primary ability is soaking up damage, so that would be that'd be sweet. And now, now everyone in chat's going Doomfist. Doomfist. Okay, speaking exactly. Where is Doomfist? Long time ago. Oh my no, God. no. So, so Doomfist isn't a person. It's it's like what you're named when you can wear the actual Doomfist. So, the idea I have, oh. which I still love to see, oh. is a capture the flag type of thing where there's a Doomfist like in the middle of the map, and depending on what role you are, like support, defense, offense, or tank, you get a different set of abilities like in Heroes of the Storm. Ooh, well, you don't get a different good. set. But Heroes of the Storm, you, you control like an objective. You have different abilities, right? Yeah. So you can't be Tracer and just run it back really quickly. You get a different set. That's I don't good. think Doomfist will actually like be a that. hero. I think it's going to be a game mode if it comes out. Ah, okay. I like that, man. I definitely like that game mode. That sounds sick. Um Let's see, I think most of these other questions were were kind of added later, more like for for Nate than for us. Why don't you go ahead and type out your questions in Twitch chat? And again, guys, we're going to be taking questions next time via email too. So if you're listening on the podcast right now, go and email that to the overview at shamanv.tv, and we'll be sure to read out the question next week. But yeah, I wouldn't take- mind to actually talk about like what's going on. Like for instance, the combine we didn't even mm-hmm. mention or ask about I mean, we, was like could, how does it work with we could talk players about like exactly if you're in a team and someone i don't i don't know how exactly it's working like if you're in a team and then another team offers you more money than you're making and you want to take that money and go work, play for them like are you locked into contract do all teams have to release their players well, from contracts there's going like, to be free agency there's definitely going to be free agency or at least it sounded that's one of the things they talked about right is free agency at least in the announcement so I think you'll be locked in your contract just like for whatever number of years, right? And then when you become a free then like, agent, what's the point of the combine if you're if like? I think the combine the is there for new like the folks that aren't on teams right now. Um, then why is Miro going to it? Well, the very first one is going to be you know like some of the questions I had too that we couldn't get to uh, or whatnot is how are the teams going to be formed in the very inaugural or in the inaugural season, right? Like are they all going to all go to a combine and it's going to literally be like like an expansion draft type of thing where everybody is like in the draft or will people start on teams, you know, they're formed kind of like they're formed right now and then if you need to, you know, if some you know, if some teams have uh, openings or slots, then there'll be a combine for all the the rest of the players that are currently in the Overwatch pool, player pool to to go and yeah. just prove themselves. You know that that sort of thing. That's what we I'm. We got that question very much so from a uh, not mesmerizing chat. It says in OWL, do the teams draft whole teams or player by player, etc.? So kind of yeah. a, that same question. If I had to guess, and whatever, this is just my my off the cuff guess. I think that established teams. Let's say Envious, for example, um, they're known to be based out of Charlotte. Let's say Charlotte is one of the potential cities. If Hastro says, "Hey, I want to be like the Envious, Char- the Charlotte Envies, or whatever," Charlotteers. Uh, <laughs> if he wants to be that, like I imagine that he'd be able to bring in his established team. Yeah, um, that, that would be my guess, at least in the uh, first season. I don't think that I. Re- I would be shocked if they're like, "Let's break up all the teams and start from scratch from a, with a draft." I really don't see that happening. Uh, I don't. I don't think the team owners would, would like that very much. Yeah, I don't think so either. So I, I'm. I'm agree. I, I agree with you there. I think they'll form the teams as they are right now, and again, just fill in the gaps, and then from then on, we'll, we'll probably see some type of combine with, with, um, uh, you know, just with players not on teams, right, and trying to 
make well, make it in. I, I don't know. I don't know how the exchange of teams that are currently in, you know, uh, are part of rosters will swap out with these people. But um, it's at least good to have a universal place for people to scout players, and so the players to know too. Mind. Players can go there, right, and know that they can prove themselves there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like Miro. Mm-hmm. The fact that he's being invited to the combine does that mean? Like Korea will be able to send two teams to the U.S. to play in the league the first year. Like, yeah. are we going to see we should be the mixed? Los Angeles just... Lunatic Highs or something? Exactly that. Or you know, well, I don't know about Los Angeles Lunatic Highs. I'd like to see just a mixture. You know, I, I want to see some Korean players make, on an American team. Whatever you know, it's no, happening in league. You don't like that? Yeah, but it. it I, no, I don't. Honestly, I don't like it. I'm saying it's. I think far less likely in the beginning of mm-hmm. Overwatch. Maybe down the line. We'll start to see that because, like, what StarCraft had a lot of problems with, um, like Koreans who didn't make it into the, to the WCS league, like leave and go to the US and then play there because it's easier to qualify and the region locking and all that stuff. And also, you have to I keep will- in mind, like, if this is a North American only league, does that mean there's going to be an Apex season two that would be like Korea's version of it? And there's going to be one in China, like APAC Premier season two, which is China's version. And then do they like all meet somewhere? And how is it going to work later on? It's a lot of like even EU, yeah. Like there's there was no EU in that. It's it's NA only, isn't it? I don't like NA. They didn't say anything about NA only, so I don't know where you're getting that from, <laughs> unless you know something. But uh, I know Ben. Did you hear anything about NA only? No, but I will. I will say that the players that I talked to, mm-hmm. the the number one thing that they were saying is like, do I have to live somewhere else? Like. Oh, Are we sure. going to be yeah. flying from continent to continent on a weekly basis? Uh, I mean, if this is a truly global league and they have teams in Latin America oh, and video, North America the first season, the and season what, season Europe right. and yeah, Asia yeah. and APAC, yeah. like, are our players literally going to be flying from continent to continent or will they have individual leagues for each region that yeah. feed into a, a bigger league at the end? Like, who knows? Like, I don't think anyone actually knows the answers to those questions yet. Yeah. So the first season, guys. Yeah, my, my bad. The first season's actually NA, and then I think they'll they'll build from there. They actually did say that. In the yeah. it's in, it was in the video. It was actually in the. You got me scared, like thinking I said something yeah, I wasn't yeah. supposed to say or no, something no, there no, for a second. Yeah. So I let chat. I, work I think it eventually out, but... it's not supposed to be NA only. It's just the first yeah. season is just NA right. Only. Oh, and shout out to think... chat for correcting everything that we say that's wrong. Thank yeah, you guys. Exactly. Yeah. You guys are awesome. What's What's also <laughs> exciting, by the way, is the fact of. I completely forgot just what I was going to say. Oh, yeah, no, the league isn't going to be a yearly thing. It's not like LCS where you play an LCS for two splits and then you have Worlds and then you have All-Stars and you have like a month break to learn the new patch and then play again. It's They said it's going to be like a league that has a lot of time for third-party events, which is something that I think killed League of Legends. Mm-hmm. It kind of ruined it. You don't have these uh, exhibitions between all the world at once, like Korea up against North America. You just have NA only kind of thing. Um mm-hmm. So the fact that you're still going to have like your dream hacks, your ESLs, your Apex, your Apex, I, I don't, I can't even name anything else right now because I can't think of it. But you're going to have them running their own tournaments in between, which also gives new players who want to play in, in the league a chance to show themselves. And even for casting talent out there, like I don't know how it's going to work with talent when it comes to the league. But if you're a person who wants to get Overwatch casting, and you maybe don't necessarily have the chance to get into Overwatch league, you're going to have the opportunity there. Um, as well as like the weekly tournaments, which I think are still going to be happening. I mean, I I agree. It's like it's it's like a good and bad thing for me because obviously, from the standpoint of other event organizers, it's definitely amazing, and I think it should exist. You know, the ability to be able to have these these APAX and oh yeah, E League. Sorry, thanks yeah. guys. Yeah. Thanks guys. And MLG. Um, but at the same time, 
you know, one thing I like about traditional sports is that there's a break, you know what I mean? Like there's a break for me to just like not be overload, you know, just to, to miss the, the sport. Uh, and, and then when it finally does come around, I'm super hyped for it again. You know, when, when the league starts again, I'm super hyped for it. You know, one thing that I, that's a problem for me in esports is that there's just something that's always happening. Even a break, one one month break from LCS, even if I did follow LCS super close, is is like not enough. You know, it's it. Yeah, it's yeah, it's LCS too. Yeah, so uh, you know that you know having those events like during that off season too. I I kind of hope that not every single team plays in those events so that we can see a break from some of the other other teams. Well, one thing that Lord Parasite says in chat is for esports, I still prefer tournament format over leagues where you see top teams and occasionally new teams. Mm. Uh, and that has been like the dominant format for most uh, major esports. You have qualifier, qualifier, qual- qualifier, qualifier, you know, all feeds into one big tournament or like many tournaments that give you seating for like a bigger yeah. tournament. Uh, most, you know, frankly, it's basically just. League of Legends and Worlds that has like a proper standardized league format that, I, as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think kind of what's promising about this OWL uh, format is that you'll have the league and then there will also be an offseason where Blizzard has very overtly said they want to encourage third-party tournaments during that offseason. Um, they said that in the trailer, in the hype video, um, and uh, I know that personally that they want to encourage uh, uh, offseason tournaments and leagues so in theory and the hope is that you kind of have both and you also have to remember there's going to be things like collegiate which when people say collegiate esports a lot of people just go like roll their eyes or don't really care but i've been watching some collegiate overwatch and it's actually pretty hype so far like uc irvine is a sick monstrous team always um yeah (laughs) yeah, so i think that there's going to be plenty of interesting tournaments even outside of the league uh, whether that's in the off season or in different yeah. formats or the World Cup and things like that. Yeah, that's definitely great. But the, the problem with League of Legends was like, you have all these games that don't mean anything. Like what, the first two seasons or something, the first two years, it was you win the spring split and you get, hey, like 50 grand. Woohoo, you can make more than that streaming for like two months. Or, you know, the, only the summer split actually counted, right? So all those games you would watch week in and week out meant nothing. And that was kind of something that's really boring with it. The fact that you have all these matches who don't mean anything. So I, like, why would I tune in to watch Cloud9 play Envious for the 30th time when the match doesn't actually affect well, anything? I think that's why tournaments are like the big thing is that you have like these quarterfinals and semifinals and every match was like winner or do or die, win or lose. Um, and that needs to be replicated. And I think that's what's nice about having like a shorter kind of league, assuming it's going to be going that way. Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, I'm, I absolutely agree. Like with just baseball, for instance, right? If we're throwing out these comparisons or whatnot, this league's going to be similar to sports. I mean, I didn't care about baseball at all until like the the playoffs, much less the World Series, you know, because th- those are the only matches that that really matter. Um, but at the same time, I think it's just how you execute each of these these home games, you know, that they're that he was talking about, and if they turn into like miniature, you know, like MLG events, you know, or, or miniature like like esport LAN events. Where, where you try to you know make it a, a big deal instead of just you know broadcasting just the matches that, that kind of like what we see with LCS, then I, I think that that could be a big difference. It's going to be a lot more expensive to do stuff like that, but um, I think that's when you can make it feel like a football game. You know, like everybody goes to a stadium and watches it. You know, on a Saturday, that's that's like a a big event for any any of the spectators that are going. But filling the the, the arenas, the areas, that's with like 
viewers. That's what I find almost really hard to do. Yeah, that that is going to be very hard in the beginning. Absolutely. I, I mean, I see it starting in things like the esports arena. Uh, mm-hmm. By the way, there's one in Santa Ana. They just built one in Oakland too, or they're in the process oh, of building they? one. Wow! But like little little venue, like smaller venues with a few hundred people capacity, I think is where we'll probably see this start. But I love the fact that Nate was thinking we want to bring the mainstream sports industry in because they're going to have the arenas that we're going to be able to hold these matches in. I mean, how sick would that be if like it's 2020 or 22 and 22 and you know, every major sports arena, like also during the off season or on the off days has esports matches like that. That's a beautiful vision. I'd love that. Yeah. And just the Jason Kaplan and Ben Fishix live from the Staples Center bringing you cloud. Oh, baby. <laughs> That's right. I mean, That'd be pretty think cool, about man. like how fast esports has developed since like 2012. I remember when they went to when league went to Staples centers for the first time, that was the very first time in North America, a mainstream sports stadium was used for an esport yep. event. And now it's like, Oh, another one, like, Oh, every single month, you know, it's going to be an Oracle Arena late in Oakland later this in, in two weeks. They're going to have an IEM there. And it happened last year in San Jose. And that's just my region. It's it's happening in Madison Square Garden, you know. So it's just – it's not – if you think about how fast esports has developed. Yeah, I know what you mean. You know, mm-hmm. a couple of years, who knows? We could get there. Yeah, and city affiliation is very interesting because um, – you know, folks that are, let's just say, Cleveland Cavs fans or something, I mean, I'm not a Cleveland Cavs fan being, you know, in, in a different city or stay or being from a different state. Only the folks that are Cleveland Cavs fans are, are generally people from Cleveland. And you see how many people, though, there are to be able to support that type of team. It would be awesome to see that kind of adoption for eSport, too. And um, it's an interesting take. Like, it's something that we've never done with eSports. And that's what that's one of the things that a lot of the longtime eSport people have a problem with, right? It's eSports is a global thing. We, you know, we shouldn't be just rooting for one team because we're from that city. It should be, you know, we love, you know, Fnatic or we love, you know, CLG or whatever. And we're anywhere in the world. So there, there's going to be some, uh, you know, some time where folks are going to have to get used to that, too. It's a give and take. Yeah. Uh, there, there's, I adore that aspect of esports, how global it is. It's just one big community. Uh, and by na- the nature of this league being somewhat closed, it, it just inherently isn't going to be the same. Uh, and believe me, I mean, I, I'm one of those guys that has over the years just been saying, we don't need traditional sports. We don't need traditional sports. Esports <laughs> yeah. is amazing. Right. We're the future. You know, we don't need TV, all these things. And to an extent, I agree, but also at the same time, just on a personal level, and hopefully I don't come off as fanboying too hard. But I think what Nate and the team is doing is just really refreshing to see somebody trying something so different and ambitious. And even though there is a lot of parallel between their plan and traditional sports, it's they're really emulating a lot of traditional sports, spe- specifically American sports team models. Um, but I think that's okay, and I think it's really exciting. Uh, I, yeah. I can't wait to see how it unfolds sometime in 2017 whenever that happens to be <laughs> exactly I mean, right. i'm totally down to like fly around and yeah jason uh, this week you'll be going to seattle to do the uh you already fly around the, the, time the anyway. seattle envious's or envy seattle is i don't know what the hell and then a week <laughs> after yeah, you're gonna do the home game for uh, texas it'd be charlotte going to dallas is what it would be. i don't know yeah, like, yeah 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 i'm no. down with that it's just it's gonna be i think it's gonna take time and also, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm wondering, like, when people are going to have time to practice. I know in LCS, uh, like, the Russian team, Moscow 5, didn't have time to practice because they were flying from Russia to Cologne every week there and back. They would actually have one day home 
and that day would be spent recovering, then they'd fly back. And that's why yeah. they kind of like tapered off because they didn't have that time. Our team's gonna have time to practice as much. Yeah. I don't know. There's a lot of things we could we could honestly talk about this for like three well, hours if we wanted to. One one last thing is I think Pompous like mentions too is that what you have to understand is that every, not everyone is American. So city teams mean nothing for the rest of the world. And yeah, that's actually true. Um I d- don't like Chinese. That's leagues. not true. No, wait, don't, don't, true. Wait, about, don't Chinese football basketball like leagues. Football. Exactly, exactly. Oh. Like you have Cole really? FC, you have BVB in Dusseldorf, you've got Man United, you got yeah, you know, all these different yeah, city based orgs. Yeah, they are all city based. I mean, they're clubs, right? But they're they're they are based in cities. So right. that's true. I think even the Chinese league, like the basketball league, has like they're city based too. So um, should and people. We should be able to understand it, and I'm sure there will be, you know, European cities and even Asian cities very, very soon after the first season. Um, okay, why don't we wrap up? Uh, it's been a man, fantastic show, guys. Uh, lots of fun. Thanks for everybody for watching. I do want to give a quick shout out to our iTunes listeners and uh, Google Podcast listeners. Um, those of you that do enjoy the show via audio, please uh, be sure to leave a review because it really helps out folks finding the overview when they're trying to search for an overwatch podcast big shout out to netflix lol for leading the last five-star review that is awesome um but yeah let's do some shout outs guys jason you want to start us off i i legit think my parents are watching in the other room like on the tv so mom uh, hey mom he thanks he thanks you every single show i I told him yeah yeah okay Cool. And uh, I'll give a shout out to my, to my brother and niece because actually uh, my whole family for the first time in a while is going to be all together uh, today in a couple oh, nice. hours actually. So shout out to them. Uh, shout out to you, Chairman, for doing the show. Fish Sticks as well. It was great to see you at BlizzCon. Wasn't great to see you, Chan Man, because we got like two what? seconds to talk. I know. Maybe we barely if you stuck around a little bit longer, it would have been nicer. I, um, I did love those and, uh, tights, shout out to whoever, those Yeah, I was about to say, shout out to whoever uh, invented <laughs> those tracer leggings because <laughs> I'm going to start wearing those to bed. Uh, if you guys didn't catch a picture of all the <laughs> the casters, I found out that no one. Did wearing, that, no, yeah. there's no way you missed it. Everybody retweeted it. Uh, that was pretty classic. Uh, ben, want to do some shots? Uh, awesome show. I think this is my favorite episode yet. Um, you know, we had so much to cover, and having Nate on was fantastic. Um, thanks for everyone for tuning in. And I know it's a little bit late, depending on where you're tuning in from. But if you are an American, go vote. Yes. I'm wearing my yes. I'm wearing my starred shirt today. Yes. I don't know. Um, I already voted by mail like like three weeks ago, yes. but just type into Google where to vote and enter your especially address. in swing states, guys. Especially, especially in the swing, swing states. states. For the love of God, there's so much more on the ballot than just the presidential that's right. uh, that's race. Exactly true. However, that's very important too. There's so much more. Your your senators, uh, your local measures. Just go out there and vote for the love of God, please. If I convert like two of you to vote, I will be happy. So please do it. Sound like those people. They want to ask who you voted day. for. <laughs> people, this ain't a political podcast, so we won't be talking about who he voted for. Um, but yeah, just thank thanks to Jason Fishix for doing the show. Uh, obviously Nate too for coming on earlier and hanging out with us. Kiki and, as well. And Kiki, Kiki. Oh, Kiki. Oh, my gosh. Kiki is amazing. And we're so lucky in Overwatch 2 to have such an awesome community manager and just everybody related to the community. Just generally in Blizzard, too. The Blizzard community team is awesome. 
they were amazing at BlizzCon too. Uh, and for those of you that might have missed some of the show, you can find the, the VODs on youtube.com slash shortly after. I'll probably divide the parts. One part will be the, obviously the Nate interview and then the rest of the show will be the second part. Um, the audios will be up tomorrow also, so check that out if you guys like to listen <gasps> to stuff on the way to work. What? What's up? Last, last shout out to Jeff Kaplan because yeah. I actually got to meet him at BlizzCon. I freaking just I missed to him. him. Oh, I was so I, mad. I went up to him and I, I was like, Dad, is that you? <laughs> you? You never came back from the market that night, and, oh, and he said to man. me, can, "Can we just can we just be cousins? Because saying dad makes me feel old." So like, all right, so now we're cousins. Okay, shout out to him. That's for that. nice. Oh, I was, I was like walking up to Jeff, like up in the skybox, and then he was like leaving. So I was like, oh, hopefully next time. <laughs> he's such a, a, he's such a genuine Jeff. and very he's nice awesome. guy. He actually loved everything about the World Cup. Yeah, that's so. cool. That's so awesome. One of these days, Jeff, I'll get a, get a chance to meet you in person. Um, but that's going to be it, guys, for the overview, episode 33. So for Jason Kaplan, Fish Sticks, and myself, Chan Man V, we'll see you next time. Later.